We're being conformed to the image of the Son. We're going through the process. We're going through that where the rough edges of the flesh are being sanded off. They're being chipped off. And he's producing in us a glorious image that would give God glory. That when we go through hardship and it's conforming us to the image of Christ and we don't even know how we got through that, but we can turn around and say, it's because of Him. It's because of the grace that He got me through this. Amen? It's God. It's all about God. It's always been about Him. And He's given us the strength to go through some hard times so that we would shine forth as stars, it says, in that resurrection, in that time that it says that those who you know live righteously, those who are sowing up for the kingdom, that we'd have a glorious entry into that kingdom. It says those who lead many to righteousness would shine like the stars forever in the book of Daniel, chapter 12. It says, and then it goes on, uh, in verse 7, it's that the genuineness of your faith be much more precious than gold that perishes, though it be tested by fire, may be found to the praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So the very things that we're going through, we have been given the grace of God that we're able to take a licking and keep on ticking and, and keep on looking up. Because what we have reserved for us in the heaven is so great, it's so tremendous, that it's worth the wait. It's worth the trial. It's worth the testimony. Even though we don't see it right now, even though it's like, man, it's hard right now. But God has given us the grace to endure. He's given us the grace to persevere. That the genuineness of our faith, much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to the praise and honor and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The revelation of Jesus Christ. These are the things that I'm speaking here. This is the word of God. This is truth. This is reality. What is that? One roach. Oh, and gecko. <laughs> Those are hard to catch, man. The Geico Gecko. It was a sign. <laughs> I don't know if I can weave that into this testimony or this sermon. <laughs> We're talking about the revelation of Jesus Christ, not a mole. <laughs> Whom having you not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully and prophesied of the grace that would come to you. The Bible is full of prophecies that spoke, about 300 prophecies that spoke about the first coming of Christ. All of them. All of those prophecies fulfilled in exacting detail. The fact that he wasn't, his family wasn't from Bethlehem, but he was born in Bethlehem because somebody said, we're going to have a census and everybody has to go back to their hometown. And Joseph was from Bethlehem. And even as Jesus walked the earth, they go, isn't the Messiah supposed to come from Bethlehem? But this guy lives in Nazareth. How is that possible? The second scripture that after they says, don't go back to Nazareth, go to Egypt. And there's a scripture that says, I've called my son out of Egypt. Can you imagine that? A prophetic scripture that even the prophets writing that, come, my son out of Egypt, what does that mean? 
How does that work? And yet every single prophecy that had to do with Christ was fulfilled in exacting detail. And there's probably double or triple that amount of prophecies speaking about his second coming. And guess what? We're living in that time right now. We're living in a time that we're seeing the foreshadowing of the coming of the Lord, the revelation of Jesus Christ, that he's going to make himself known not only to us, but the whole world. But he comes to his church first. He comes and receives his church to this glorious living hope that he's promised to us. And if all those 300 scriptures were fulfilled in exacting detail, whatever he said about the second coming, we can trust that that's going to come to pass. Amen. That we can have confidence in the word of God. You know, I was um, talking about things of God to my brother-in-law and I was like, I'm getting tired of talking to this guy already. It's like, come on, make a decision here. And he's basically, well, if it was just more clear, how much more clear do you want it to be about who Jesus Christ is? That the word of God is true. And yet there's so many people that don't know what this word says. They don't have a clue about what's happening in the world right now that would give them 2020 vision to say, I'm on board with this message because this is true. I see it happening right around us right now. Amen. I was looking at a video, uh, Jason A, and he kind of chronicles the things that are happening around the world. And I, I came across something. Do you guys know where Victoria Falls is in Africa? Anybody familiar with that? It's, it's a tremendous um, landmark. And what it is, it's, it's a convergence of a gorge, of, of a rock outcropping, and, and um, a waterfall that makes Niagara Falls look silly by comparison. It's huge. And this mist comes up from there, and there's rainbows because there's just a volume of water coming down this thing constantly. Major uh, tourist attraction. In fact, when I went to um, Uganda, we, we were by Lake Victoria, and I asked David, are we going to see Victoria Falls? And we were nowhere near Victoria Falls, way up north from where we were at. But I was hoping that we could see it. But I saw a video of this thing. It's been reduced down to a trickle right now. <laughs> that the water, the, the rains have just ceased in Africa to where it's, it's sad. And they said there's drought that's coming to Africa because of this, this thing. This, this, uh, it's like four or five times the volume of Niagara Falls. And it's just a, a, just a little bit of water coming over the top. It's really sad to see. And there's just so many things like that going on around the world right now. There's, there's major earthquakes that are going on off the, off the west coast of um, Seattle and uh, Vancouver. And they're saying, this is, I've been hearing this for years, but they go, this is not a matter of if. This is going to happen. They said that there's a major earthquake that's, that's there's a lot of tension on the uh, one de Fuca plates that are going down over there. So it's a major, major event that's coming. Probably a nine or bigger earthquake that's going to hit that part of the, uh, part of the um, west coast. And they said, it's not a matter of if. They go, it's going to happen. And they're just, they're flying planes over this because there's so much seismic events right now. There's so many things. They're, they're, they're scanning this, this, uh, this fault line that goes all the way from the uh, northwest all the way down to California. Some people say that anything past the, the I-5 on the, on the coast, that, that um, road that goes up through California and up the west coast, they said everything beyond that is going to be totaled if this hits. That would be bad news for Hawaii. I pray that this event, if it takes place, is post-rapture. The church is taken out of here. Because that would have a serious effect on us here in Hawaii. If all the ports are wiped out. It would be something like Japan, but worse, they said. 
And I don't say this to scare us, but I say this because the Bible says that this is what it would look like before the revelation of Christ, before he comes back, that this is the way that the earth would be. You know, I looked at, um, on the TV, and um, there was a commercial for Sprite, and it was just like, Why? Why are all the commercials just veering? All these, these corporations, they're veering off and they're pushing an agenda. It's like, why? Just make a product and sell it. But they're, they're, they're warping this, the, the, the reality that we live in now. And they're trying to um, convince us that things that are not righteous are acceptable. And it's not. It never will be. God said it. This is right. This is wrong. And there's no end of God's forgiveness. We've all sinned. All of us are sinners. But you can't conform something that's wrong and package it and say, this is right because we say so. It ain't going to happen. And how much is God going to take? How much is he going to take? How much can we just keep slamming this, slamming this? Basically throwing it in God's face before God said, that's it. I can't take it no more. And God is extremely merciful, and God is a loving God, and God loves those who, of us who have engaged in sin in the past, and God was reaching out, and He was reaching out, and He was, says, repent, repent, and thank the Lord that we heard that call of repentance. And we pray for those. We pray for this world. We pray for the, the sin in this world. If not for the grace of God, there go us. There go I. We would have been right in there if it weren't for God's forgiveness. Amen? This great gift of forgiveness, this great message of salvation to people, we didn't deserve it, but God did it because he loved us. He was motivated by compassion. He was motivated by love. I like that story in the Bible that says that Jesus, he was going about, and the people are thronging him. They're just coming in, and they're like, there's, they're, they're wandering, and they're out in the wilderness three days because they just were they're hanging on his every word. And Jesus says that he healed them all, and he looked at them, and he goes, man, he goes, I look at these people like, like a people, uh, like a sheep without a shepherd. And he had compassion on them and healed them all. That's the heart of the Lord, that he loves people. And it's, it's a lot of times it's due to ignorance. I don't know this stuff. I never heard it before. And sometimes it's just willful rebellion, but God still loves us and he's appealing to us. Repent, repent. I don't take pleasure in the death of the wicked. I want to see all men come to repentance. That's the heart of our Lord. It needs to be our heart. It needs to be my heart. Amen. He's coming back. The Lord is coming back. The Lord has given us vision. He's given us glasses to see things properly. You know, it's, it's almost like we're living in two countries right now in the United States. You see one message goes out there. I, I remember seeing, you know, the president gave a speech and I go, wow, that's a tremendous speech. And in fact, they, they judged it on its merit. They said, by him just saying what he did being the president and doing, you know, what he did at that point of the State of the Union address, his, his approval rating was about 80%. And then I saw the news pick that speech apart and I go, are we watching the same thing here? It's like... It's, sometimes you wonder, I, I feel like I've, I'm living in bizarro land, you know? Like there's two realities going on at the same time. But I believe that we have discernment because of the Word of God. Because He opened up our eyes, and He gave us a vision of what is true, and what is right, and what is wholesome, and what is, what is eternal. And we got to be careful that our vision stay that way, amen? And going into 2020, that we want to retain our 2020 vision, amen? And the way we do that is by spending time in God's Word. 
You know, you hear the story about how does, how does a bank teller know the difference between a counterfeit 20 and a, and a real 20? They said that they don't give them the counterfeit. Yeah, it was so weird. I had to go return a, a part at Napa, and I paid cash for the thing. And so they, the part that they gave me was no good, and there was like a, there was a deposit on the, you know, when you take the part back, there's a, a core charge, so it was a little over $100 for that part, but they're going to give me back 50 And so I take it back, and they go, this thing was defective. So I go back to the original counter. They hand me a $100 bill back because I paid cash. And then I go up to the counter. She saw, she was the one who handed me the $100 bill. She takes her pen, and he <laughs> wipes on the 100 and I laugh. And I go, she goes, I have to do this because the camera's watching me. But to just check that that was an official $100 bill. But the way that you check a real $100 bill as opposed to a counterfeit is not give you a counterfeit, is give you the real and you examine it and you feel it and you look at it and you examine that thing. Then you'll know that's the genuine article. Just like this. How do we know that what we hear is true or it's a lie? How do we measure it? Is it, well, everybody believes that it's got to be true. I don't know about that. That's kind of sketchy when the crowd says, yeah, that's acceptable. That's what we want because the crowd says that's right. Can we trust that? Most of the time it's wrong. Most of the time it's wrong. You got to look into it on your own. And the way that we have 2020 vision is to know what this word says. You'll get a check in your heart and you go, Ooh, that's not right. I just, I don't get a, that don't settle with me correctly. Judging by the glasses, judging by my um, Christian or my biblical worldview, that doesn't sit right with me. That's being challenged big time. That perspective is being challenged big time. Do you know what's happening right now? I mean, you remember when Jesus went to the cross and, uh, Jesus told his disciples, he says, if he says, you remember when I first sent you out, I sent you out, I didn't, you didn't have an extra pair of sandals, you didn't have an extra cloak, you just, you didn't take any more extra money in your, in your uh, uh, coin bag. And he goes, and he goes, but now I tell you, this is right before he went to the cross, buy an extra tunic. If you have an extra tunic, sell it and buy a sword. And Peter goes, here we have two swords. And the Lord said, it's enough. So basically he was saying, it's right for us to defend ourselves. It's right for us to have self-defense. Do you know in the state of Virginia right now, because of all these supposed shootings, and there's, there's shootings going on all over the place. It seems like the states that have the highest gun control got the most murder going on. L.A. and Chicago being the for, first and foremost. Every weekend in Chicago, it's like a murder zone out there. Highest gun regulations, biggest murders. Now we know in Virginia that their governor is so pro-abortion that he says you can have a child go to full term and kill it. That's up to you what you want to do with that child. You think if they will kill a baby that's full term, you think they give a rip about any of their citizens? You do not vote those kind of people into office. Do not vote people that are so pro-abortion into office because they will not care about your rights if they can't protect the rights of a little child. Amen? Amen? That's bottom line. So now in Virginia... You have a governor who says, we got too many of these shootings going on. You know what we're going to do? The 20th of January, we're going to confiscate all the guns in Virginia. You're like, what? And the people are saying, no, you're not. 
and the people in Virginia are saying, well, you guys got in your, in your uh, blue cities over there, you got your uh, sanctuary cities where you can let anybody come into this country if they're a murderer or whatever. Just let them come in. We're so uh, compassionate. We're so open-minded. Just come in and we won't prosecute you. And so they have their little havens of that. And the people in Virginia said, you know what? We're going to have our Second Amendment uh, havens over here. Our Second Amendment, you're not taking our guns. Do you know how important that is right now? Do you understand what's at stake right there with this? It's like you take the guns out of people, you dictate to the people. It's been proven throughout history. Socialism. You look at what happened in Germany in World War II. You look what happened in, in Russia during when they overthrew the czars. You look at what happened in China. Millions and millions and millions of people get executed at the point where you disarm the public. We need to be praying. We, we're hanging, as a, as a society, we're hanging in the balance right now. We know what the book of Revelation says. We know that where this is ultimately going to go. But as long as the church is here, we are the salt of the earth. We're the light of the world. And we better be speaking up. And we better be praying. And we better be standing in the way of this mess that's coming down. This is what's happening right now. A lot of churches don't even want to talk. I don't want to upset the people. This is what 2020 vision does. You see it for what it is. You see it coming down the pike. You see the implications of this. And we have to be a voice that speaks against it. Amen? Amen? This is what the righteousness of Christ within the praying body of Christ is what's holding this thing off. It's holding it off. Our president said, they're going after, you see how they're going after this man like a, like a, a demon possessed? I've never seen anything like it. They've rushed this impeachment and now they have the articles of impeachment and they're hanging on to it now. Oh, we're not really sure we want to really impeach him. What the heck is going on with this country? It's nonsense. You know, and, and yeah, Donald Trump is a former, you know, he's done things. We've all, oh yeah, it's irritating this. But I tell you what, that man has stood up for the rights of the church. He invokes prayer at his, at his place. It is, is whatever he gets together. He'll ask for prayer. He'll pray in the name of Jesus. Anybody can pray in God, just like Maui, you go to the recovery. Well, my God is a doorknob. That's my higher power. God doesn't really cover it. You know what I mean? But when you invoke the name of Jesus, there's power in the name of Jesus. Amen? There is no political solution to the problem we're facing. right There's, a, there's only one answer, and his name is Jesus Christ. And we as the body of Christ need to become vocal. We need to stand up. We need to pray for this country because we're hanging in the balance. There's people in other countries that are telling America, don't give up your guns. In Europe, they're saying, don't do it. In Australia, they're saying, don't do it because they did and they see what comes after that. They're pretending like it's going to be a utopia. No more violence. You know in Britain right now, the biggest form of murder right now, people busting out big machetes and knives and just lopping people off in the street. And it's happening. And they don't want you to know about it. Don't talk about it. They want to disarm the public. And then at that point, it gets really nasty. We need to pray. We need to pray that Lord's, the God's covering over this. We need to pray, number one, for a spirit of repentance to come upon this nation. That's the problem. Too much veering off on the course and engaging in sin and doing things even within the church that we shouldn't be doing. We, it says if we, the salt, lose its saltiness, what good is it for but to be thrown outside and trodden underfoot? If we light a light, it says you don't put it under a, a bushel. 
I'm a Christian, but I don't tell anybody. I'm a secret service. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm an undercover believer. <laughs> Help us, Lord. <laughs> Here it is. Luke, Luke 8, it says, No one... When is it's Luke eight sixteen? No one, when he has lit a lamp, covers it with a vessel, but puts it under the bed and sets it on a lampstand, that those who enter may see the light. For nothing is secret that will not be revealed, nor anything hidden that will not be come come to light. Therefore, take heed how you hear. For whomever has, to him more will be given, and whoever does not have, even what he seems to have, will be taken away. The light of the truth of this word will bring more illumination to us. It will give us more direction, more understanding. A lot of times I look into these things and I go, isn't this common sense? Doesn't everybody see this for what it is? And apparently not. Apparently not. That a great gross darkness has overtaken this nation. You know, uh, years ago when I was doing landscaping, I did... um, uh, I, I re- rebuilt my truck and I, I had somebody weld a flatbed for me. And so I was over there helping him cut metal and put things together and tell him, you know, measure this and whatever. And so he was doing all the welding. That's one thing I wish I knew how to do, but I don't know how to do. I don't know how to weld. But he was doing all the welding, so I was watching him. And every time he would hit the, you know, hit the, the, the thing, I would, I would just turn away like that. I would watch him to the point, like that, and I would turn away. I thought that was good enough. Not good enough. Not good enough. That night I went home, it felt like somebody uh, put an ice pick in my eyeballs, man. It was so sore. So sore. And thank God I didn't lose my vision. But you just, you, you close your eyes and you just see this blinding light. And it felt like somebody threw a handful of sand in your eyes. And you just got to tough it out. It'll eventually go away. But it's painful. Because I look too long at the things I shouldn't have been looking at. Amen. Look too long at the things I shouldn't have been looking at. Let me read this lyrics. This is from, you remember that song by Jackson Brown, Doctor My Eyes? Let me read the lyrics. I have it here. Doctor My Eyes have seen the years and the slow parade of tear, uh, uh, parade of fears without crying. Now I want to understand. I have done all that I could to see the evil and the good without hiding. You must help me if you can. Doctor my eyes, tell me what is wrong. Was I unwise to leave them open for so long? Because I have wandered through this world, and as, as each moment has unfurled, I've been waiting to awaken from these dreams. People just go where they will, never notice them until I got the feeling that it's later than it seems. Doctor my eyes, Tell me what you see. I hear their cries. Just say if it's too late for me. Doctor my eyes. I cannot see the sky. Is this the prize for having learned not how to cry? Be careful what we look at. It has an effect. You know, just recently... You guys heard about the Netflix. And them portraying our Lord and Savior as gay. And I wrote on, on a 
uh, YouTube clip that was talking about that. I says, oh, how progressive, how, how um, brave of you to do something like that. I would like to see you portray Muhammad as gay and see what happens at that. See your headquarters don't get bombed. But because Christians are tolerant, they get away with this mess. And because the very spirit of the world is antichrist, he is always the one who's the target. But I don't want to patronize a business that would allow something like that. And so we canceled our service to that mess. Because I don't want my eyes to be seeing things we shouldn't be seeing. I want to stand up for what is right. Both Pastor Gretchen and I wanted to stand up. David McDonald took it. She wrote it on there. David said, putting it out to all his people. And you're just seeing canceled, canceled, canceled. I hope they hurt big time for doing something like that. Is the church viable enough that there's a backlash when they do something like that that's blasphemy against our Lord? Is the church still awake enough to say, I ain't going to put up with that. That's as far as you go with that. Amen? Amen. We have a lot of power. We have the most power in the name of Jesus. And it's not, what I'm saying is not, it's not really wielding it like a club. But it's to be aware enough to say, where do we draw the line? Where do we draw the line with this mess? We're coming into the year 2020. Our vision needs to be intact. We need to be seeing things properly the way God wants it seen. Amen? That, um, let me find this scripture. I believe it's in Matthew 6. It's interesting to contemplate this one. You know, there's... There's things that are going on in the world that they would call what I'm seeing right now, they would call me a bigot. They would call me a hobophobe. They would call me an Islamophobe for the things that I'm speaking here this morning. But think it out to its logical conclusion. I don't hate anybody. You come to our prayer over there on, on Tuesday and Thursday morning, we pray for Muslims. We pray for people who are caught up in this lifestyle. I'm a sinner. All I did was partake of God's grace. It's not about hate. But it's about, what are we looking at? How does it look? How does it play out? How does the natural conclusion of this thing come? When you start taking down the natural barriers that God has put in place, now they're saying that men can have babies. What the heck kind of craziness are we living in now? Men can have babies? That they're putting tampons in the men's bathroom? I'm serious. This stuff is happening, man. It's nonsense. What is going on? It's like we're, we're, we're pulling every barrier, every stop, every uh, common sense. We're taking it out. We have to have every just wildness. It's lasciviousness, craziness that we're seeing on steroids. Now men can join the women's volleyball team or whatever sport they... And, and you know, men can go in and uh, women's uh, events where there's strength involved. And men go over there and slam the weights and do whatever. Look, I'm the champion in the women's lift, weightlifting. You're a man. I got long hair and identify as a woman. Isn't that enough? What is going on? And people accept this as normal. The reason why they're taking every barrier that God had placed. We don't even want them to say that there's only two genders, men and women. No. We don't want that. There's hundreds of different types of variations of this. If I identify as a unicorn, you've got to call me a unicorn. <laughs> what is wrong with this society, man? 
serious. I mean, I mean, did you see the, did you see those videos where guy? He, I mean, he's a burly looking dude with long hair, and he comes in and he says, "I'm, I'm sorry, sir. I'm not a sir. I'm a man. I'm a woman." And he just goes on to a rant, and I was like, "Whoa, what kind of reality did we stumble into here?" I think that the church is complicit with this. We've allowed it to get to this point. In Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, it says, The lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? That means that your point of reference is darkness. But you're making a judgment on everybody else on a point of darkness. And you're imposing that because everybody else agreed. We all agree that this is right, right? No standard, but we just will determine what the standard is, right? And we all agree to it. And if your light is that darkness, how great is that darkness? Because how do you come out of that? You think you're right? I'm, I'm a, a social justice warrior. I'm going for the underprivileged. I'm doing this, and this is my sense of morality. But you're off the bubble. And this will never be accepted in Christ. He's a God of righteousness. And he says, I hate lawlessness. But he also loves the sinner. As we shine the light, and they see it, and they go, whoa, I never saw that before. And it illuminates the truth. And it brings them to the point of repentance. Mission completed. The light came into the world and the darkness was confounded by that light. But those who come to the light say, Lord, I need to repent. It says that those who stay away from the light in John 3 is because their deeds are evil and they don't want to come to the light. Our life is reflecting the light of Christ. Let it be that we reflect that light properly so that we can lead people out of this darkness into the light. That our vision would be 2020 in 2020. Amen? That we see these things properly the way God intends. I hope I didn't come across like I was rebuking the church because I'm not rebuking the church. I love the church. I love believers. I love the fellowship of the saints. It's the only thing that Christ left us, he says, manifest my kingdom, be the light, be the salt, occupy until our return, and he is coming back. But we need to occupy, we need to be a voice, we need to be vocal, we need not to be secret service Christians. <laughs> right? <laughs> I like what Maui says, when he goes to a job site, he's praying and playing his Christian music, and he says, don't take long before everybody in there knows he's a believer. Help us, Lord, to reflect you accurately, truthfully. Help us, Lord, to watch the words of our mouth and the conduct of our character so that it would give you glory. Yes. Amen. Amen. Let's pray.